What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Caleb, and uh, I hope everybody is chilling. Man, I hope everyone's enjoying their 4th of July weekend, hanging out with family, friends, the boys, the girls, doing what it is that they love to do when uh, when they get some free time. I will be here chopping it up. It is Sunday, July 3rd, the day before July 4th. And what a wild, wild week in the association. The league that we love so much uh, for this very reason popped off this week. It absolutely popped off this week. We had um, two major trades. And then I I honestly can't remember in my time of watching this sport uh, a, a player requesting a trade with the stature and skill of Kevin Durant. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about. We do have free agency. Um, first week of free agency. I believe it started. I don't even remember at this point. But it started last week. Kind of winding down. Uh, still some big names out there. But Sarge and I will cover free agency. I'm going to hop on with him. Longtime podcast veteran. Great guy. He'll be on with me later this week. But this podcast is just going to be talking about the big trades. The DeJounte Murray trade. Rudy Gobert trade and the potential of a Kevin Durant trade uh, that is looming, the implications, my thoughts, um, and then we'll get out of here and then we'll have free agency later this week. Um, trying to get one or two out each week. Um, obviously, as we go longer and longer in the offseason, it gets more and more dead. That's when we'll get the creative stuff going. We'll rank the top 10 players at each position going into next year. But for now, we've got plenty to talk about. I know there's a billion other podcasts out there, so I appreciate y'all chilling with me uh, and, and just running through some hoop, man. I love this shit. I know you guys do too. Without further ado, let's get into it. All right, so we're actually going to lead off uh, with the with the one quote trade that hasn't happened yet, uh, and that's Kevin Durant because I think this is still the the more the most fascinating situation um, in the league right now. We've got Kevin Durant, who we've talked about many many times on this podcast. I don't really, uh, I do at times, but I don't really get into the whole you know, best player, second best player, third best player, because you're really, really splitting hairs. I do think there's a difference between like, you know, one and 10, sure. But for me, you can throw Giannis in there. You can throw KD in there. You can throw Steph in there. You honestly, uh, if Braun is healthy, you can throw him in there. And I'm not going to get mad at any of those four. And honestly, I know Luka and Yoke haven't won titles yet. And honestly, Kawhi too. Kawhi's up in there too. But I, I'm not mad if you throw them up in there. I think it's a matter of time. And I think it's clear that both those guys, Yoke and Luka, um, are, are capable of winning and being the best player on a championship team. But regardless, uh, James Harden, sure, the trade uh, trade request. But I, I can't remember a time that there's been a player of this caliber and Kevin Durant. On the chopping block. But the whole situation is very, very, very fascinating and intriguing. So let's rewind it back. Uh, because a year ago, or I mean, even two years ago, right? So Kevin Durant decides, hey, I'm going to leave the Warriors. I think 
I think the biggest thing there was I mean, no one perfectly understands and knows Kevin Durant's mind. And I, I will right now sit here and say as a Warriors fan, I love Kevin Durant. I think he is an unbelievable basketball player. I think he's a chiller in real life. Um, and I can totally understand why fans didn't like the move to the Warriors, why they call it soft. Um, but I said for a while, you know, like it's so hard to win championships. And I think that's partly why people were so mad, right? But it's so hard to win championships. I think at that point he had earned the right to go wherever he wanted to go. And obviously it's a little bit easier for me to say that because I was a Warriors fan. And and we all know how it goes, right? KD wins two titles the, the first two years pretty easily against arguably the first or second best player of all time. And then tears his Achilles in the finals against the Toronto Raptors. Clay tears his ACL. I'd like to think we win that if they don't. Uh, but end of the day, the Raptors win. Then he decides, okay, I'm going to go team up with uh, my boy Kyrie. Kind of more... Uh, kind of more my team i mean i don't know what he's thinking necessarily but you know with the warriors it's very much uh it's very much a system it's very much a system it's very much a culture it's you are kind of fitting into uh a company an organization that already has its identity and you know katie went and made it just unstoppable but the system and the company and that organization and who it was already it already was that, and KD just made it a more unstoppable version. Brooklyn, I felt like, okay, I can and again, this is all speculation, but I felt like it was more of a, okay, I can I can kind of build more of my own here. I got my one of my best friends in Kyrie here. Obviously, you can't, I mean, it's been proven now, especially at this point, this stage of the NBA, you need help. You can't do it by yourself. And sometimes even two guys, you know, two stars isn't enough. So, okay, I get it, right? Especially because, look, I love Steph. And, uh, you know, I love that. I love the support that Warrior fans have for Steph. But, I mean, they were on his ass. They were in his cheeks every day on Twitter about, hey, this, this is Steph's team. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think the Warrior fans necessarily handled, handled it well. But they're just never going to back down if they f- feel any perceived um lack of respect for their guy they're gonna come after you and that's just the way they are so i i got it from both sides right james harden then forces his way out and joins them and i think when i look at that i'm just i'm just confused and and it'll link back to to this past year this offseason too but it's not like james harden didn't know who these guys were right James Harden knows exactly who Kyrie Irving is on the basketball court. He knows exactly who Kevin Durant is on the basketball court. He forced his way out, his preferred destination. He chose, he chose Brooklyn. And I didn't really, I don't think anyone really blamed him, right? Like on paper, that might be the best trio in terms of just pure basketball talent that we've ever seen. Um, You fast forward. KD deals with a ton of injuries. Kyrie deals with a ton of injuries. James Harden deals with a ton of injuries. And it was kind of this thing where it was like, again, I'm a I'm a big better of the NBA, and they were the favorite all year, but they were never healthy. And it was like, all right, if they do get healthy, they're the favorite. But we don't know, right? And we come into the playoffs. Kyrie's healthy. Uh, James Harden's not healthy. And I believe Kevin Durant wasn't uh at the start, but he was eventually. And 
Uh, eventually, Kyrie's hooping to start. James Harden's clearly hurt. He had been dealing with a hamstring thing all year long, and just when he thought it gets would get better, he'd test it out, and it would not hold up. Um, so you get to those playoffs. Kyrie's healthy for the first couple rounds, and then in Milwaukee, in that series against Milwaukee, um, he comes down on his ankle and is done. Then that's like it puts James in this situation where he's not healthy. He was hoping he could get somewhat right for the finals. But then when Kyrie goes down, it's like, all right, I kind of got to get out there because we're not getting through Milwaukee with just Kevin Durant and Joe Harris. Uh, and he comes out. He's clearly 50%, not even, maybe, maybe 60. Um, and out of all that, despite all of that, I, Brooklyn looked so good those first couple games when it was just Kyrie and KD, right? Like, I, I really felt. And again, it's a long series. A lot can happen. There's ups and downs. There's ebbs and flows within series. We saw it this year with the Warriors and Celtics. But in my eyes, it, it seemed like the Nets were on their way to win that series if Kyrie stayed healthy. But he goes down, I think, at game two or game three. James Harden tries to come back. Ultimately, despite all of that, they end up a toe, a toe away. From going to the NBA Finals, we know how that ends. The Bucks go and win, win it all. Come back to this year, and again, in my eyes, this Nets team is the favorite to win it all. Then you have the whole, the vaccine thing, right? And I'm, I'm not going to get into to politics here. I, I think, for me, my personal opinion is, uh, I'm not a doctor, and uh, I trust in general i mean if you can't trust doctors who are you going to trust in this world right and i know this is a scary world but like i'd like to think that you can trust doctors right they they've went to school they put in hours and hours to be the best at their craft and if you're not going to trust doctors then who are we going to trust you're not going to go to the restaurant and question the chef so anyways Kyrie, but but Kyrie is different right and he has his own way of thinking that I don't think anybody really understands. I would love to just honestly, I would love to just sit down. If, if I could sit down and chat with anyone in the NBA besides Steph Curry, it would be Kyrie Irving just to pick his brain because I, I would love to know what's going on in there. I'm sure he has his reasons, but he ends up not being able to get, not choosing not to get the vaccine. And I think that's what people point to as being the main reason, right? But I, I don't know. I don't know. And we're sitting here and right it kind of came out of nowhere people don't i feel like people don't really remember or talk about this much but it wasn't like coming into the offseason James Harden was you know trying to force his way out um now on the other side Ben Simmons that was something that was circulating all off season, the start of the year, we're like, where's Ben going to go? Where's Ben going to go? And then right before the trade deadline, the James Harden aspect of this starts to, to come up. And it's like, people are saying, well, James Harden might not commit to Brooklyn. And next thing you know, he's traded to Philly. And my whole question with this is why? You won year ago, James Harden, and I know, again, we'll get to Kevin Durant because this all will loop around, but my question is why? 
because James Harden knew who they were. And maybe I think it's a valid point if you say it's Kyrie Irving and James Harden is just frustrated with Kyrie Irving. Like, I, I think there's a perspective that where you go, hey, if Kyrie Irving is so in his own lane that he can't even get a vaccine, he would rather sit out of games, actual NBA games, and we've we've talked about this many a times, even with a trio as talented as Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. It's really, really, really hard to go win a title alone. And, and you just, it's really that much harder if you haven't built the habits, if you haven't gone to war with your guys and built a chemistry and a rapport throughout the year. It's just really hard to do. You're going to go have to beat a team that does have that most likely. So maybe that was why James Harden was frustrated and he said, no, I, I just can't count on Kyrie Irving anymore. But my thing is, like, well, you know who this man is, man. You know who this man is. Anyways, he dips. You get Ben Simmons in return. You come into this year in the playoffs. Kyrie and KD are healthy. And they get swept by the Celtics. And I, I think, one, it was a sweep, yes. But it wasn't a – I mean, it was – it was as competitive as a sweep can be, right? The, the Nets almost stole a game in, in Boston, and they almost won both those games in Brooklyn. And uh, obviously they were never winning that series, but the, the, that was the team that eventually went on to the to rep the Eastern Conference in the finals that gave the Warriors a good run. I just don't think it's like, I think the thing that confuses me the most in all of this is that it's not like this Nets team sucks, right? You're getting Joe Harris, a certified sniper, back. You have Patty Mills. You now get Ben Simmons, who's an all-NBA-level defender and passer with great size. He's, we, we, I think that was part of why that trade even happened, right, is for all the shit that comes with Ben Simmons, he's a wonderful fit for that Brooklyn team. Like, Kyrie Irving is an absolute bucket, but what does he struggle to do? Defend. And when you have Ben Simmons next to you, it just makes Kyrie Irving's job a lot easier. Ben can get out and transition to. I just thought it was a really good fit for that Brooklyn team, and it was why I wasn't really, despite being confused by James Harden asking out to an extent, for all the reasons we just talked about, I, I got it. I You know, I felt like, okay, it makes sense because it wasn't just Simmons too, right? They get Seth Curry. So you're coming back and, and potentially this year have a team with Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, Patty Mills, and then you can go and pick and choose one or two more guys and vets to add. Like It's not like you can't add vets uh, when you have a team like this. So the, the, the trade request itself is very, very confusing. And then you get reports like, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are not opposed to playing together, but just aren't going to do it in Brooklyn. And it's like, why? If you're not opposed to playing together, then go play together. You, It's not like you, it's just you two and you have a dog shit team. I, it's just, it's super, it's super, super confusing. And, and I think where I'm leaning with this is just, um, I, I think there's a rift between the front office of Brooklyn and their two stars. And I, I'm not, 
I, I'm not, I'm not here to really even take a side, um, but I, I, I do think there is some, uh, oh, plenty of merit to the frustration that I think the front office has with, with those guys, um, because in their eyes, right, like, it really is not. Uh, I got the vaccine, bro. I'm fine. I'm fine, and I don't know if you, it means like you have to stay up to it, but. No guy in the NBA has gotten the vaccine and is just dropped off the face of the earth. So I just feel like there's frustration there from from ownership. And I've seen, like, this is legitimately real. This is real. Josiah's liked tweets before Kevin Durant even. I remember seeing a tweet that Josiah liked before Kevin Durant even requested a trade that said, you know, Joe's Joe's got us like no one player is more important than Brooklyn than the whole we'll be back to Brooklyn Nets basketball soon. Joe's son is liking tweets about KD, um, you know, saying he's not elite, like, you know, he's not a leader. He'd rather, um, you know, argue with people on Twitter. And I I think to an extent they have they have a point. And there was a tweet. First off, I love that Kevin Durant is is active on social media. I think that's really dope. I think. With the way media is now, it's really, really easy for the players to, um, and not even easy. It's kind of just the way it is. The players don't really fuck with the media. They don't really like engaging with the media, and I don't blame them because the media is really there to just stir the pot. There are some great reporters. There are plenty of guys out there that uh, do a really, really good job and are honest and really are just trying to provide coverage. Uh, but at the end of the day. With the media, if they can get a story, if they can stir the pot, if they can get some clicks, they're going to do it. And so I think what happens is uh, a lot of times these guys aren't open and candid with the media. And so I love that Kevin Durant on social media is able to go and interact and be real and say what's truly on his mind instead of giving these reporters clicks. But he said something that was super interesting to me. And um, really, I think... It just gives a a look into his mindset and and who he is, and I think it can provide some context to this whole situation. Um, someone asked him, "Would you consider yourself a leader?" And he said, "This. I'm an employee, and one of the guys on the team. Some moments I'm out in front, and some moments I'm I'm not. The main message comes from the coach, in my opinion. And while he's not wrong." He's not wrong. He's not wrong. I do think it 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 makes all his decisions make sense, right? Um, because being the best being the best player on a basketball team, I, I think some would argue it's part of your job to lead. I would, and I think that's what makes Steph great. It's what makes LeBron, and not only that, but it's what takes them to the next level. And Kevin Durant dipped from an OKC team to a team where he was basically just a contract killer. Like, I'm going to be here. I'm going to take us to great. I, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna elevate us to new heights, even though we've already been to great heights with the Warriors. And then he dips to Brooklyn. And then when he said when he when he comes to a point where, hey, this is not really where I want to be anymore, he'll dip again. And that's what he did. 
And I think that I think that separates you a little bit. And so that's that's what in my mind makes Steph and Braun so so amazing, you know, because it's 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 a lot of emotional work. It's a lot of mental work to lead. It's one thing to be a, a hooper and get buckets and make great passes and defend. Uh, it's a whole nother thing to take take on a leadership role in the spotlight of a really good team and lead a group of guys. It's a lot of work, and I think it's clear it's work that maybe Kevin Durant isn't super, super interested in. So, um, and I don't think at the same time, I don't think it's unfair for ownership for front for the front office, for the management of the Brooklyn Nets to want him to be more of a leader. And so I think that was ultimately the biggest sticking point. I think James Harden probably came down to not being able to trust Kyrie Irving as well as like, they didn't have a ton of time to really on the court, figure out how do we best all, all, how do we all find a way where we are all our best selves or close to our best selves and not detracting from others. Cause it's easy for Kevin Durant to be his best self, but can he do that in a way that uh, James Harden can still be his best self and in a way that Kyrie alongside of those two can be them best selves. And it never really quite came together. Uh, I saw another clip. Kyrie was at like the BET awards last weekend and they asked him, Hey, you're going to be a Brooklyn net. And he just, he's like, ah, I'm going to just let my agent handle that one. It would have been super easy to be like, I, I love the Brooklyn nets. We'll figure it out. He didn't, he didn't, and nothing even close to that matter. Um, so I think it's a part, it's just, a. I think, I think the Nets management want a team where everyone's bought in, where it's a family culture. And I think Kevin Durant is more like, I'm good off that. I'm just trying to hoop. I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to give you my all on the court, but I'm not a dad. I'm not like, you know, he's not a dad. He's not. Not that Steph and Braun being dads is the reason why they're better leaders, but like, I just think it it shows the difference in mindsets. And I think KD wants to just go be a contract killer somewhere. Um, and Steph and Braun and other guys are more interested in building and leading, and they're more embracing of that process. Now, for the actual, uh, you know trade itself um it'll be very very interesting because people forget you know brooklyn doesn't really own very many of their picks the the houston rockets basically own the brooklyn nets future um so it's tough you can't really trade kd for a package um of just like young guys because you can like that's the that's the cool that's the thing about tanking right you're rewarded but in this case, they can't really tank, and if they do, they're not going to be rewarded. Um, but on the other end, like for every reason that we just talked about, there's not going to be very many teams willing to sell their whole future for a guy who could just dip at any moment, for a guy who has, to this point, shown, like, I'm not really all that interested with all that extra stuff that comes with being the number one guy. I want to go have the number one role, but I don't want to do the number one extra stuff. I just don't. Uh, he hasn't shown that he does to this point, so I'm just going to go by his actions. Um, so I feel like it makes the 
the trade package is a little bit sticky. Um, and then on top of that, there's an interesting rule that I had never known. I, I hadn't known until it came out. But basically, you can't have two guys on your roster that you traded for that are on rookie max deals. Ben Simmons already has one. So guys like Devin Booker, guys like Donovan Mitchell, uh, you know, th- there's plenty of guys. They can't trade for them. And if they do, I think they'd have to trade Ben first. So that already kind of limits the uh, the packages that they can get. You're not going to trade for a bunch of youngins because you can't really tank. So it puts them in a really weird spot. But at the same time, we just saw Rudy Gobert, and we'll get to that trade in a sec. He goes for Jared Vanderbilt, Kessler Edwards, five unprotected first, Malik Beasley, and Patrick Beverly. DeJounte Murray goes for four first. Obviously, Rudy Gobert is a little bit more valuable um, even before that trade. But if Rudy Gobert is fetching you Vando, Kessler, who was basically a, a who is a first rounder, I think it's then four unprotected verse, Malik Beasley and Patrick Beverly. What is Kevin Durant gonna to fetch you? Right? Kevin Durant, for as good as Rudy Gobert is, I, I think Kevin Durant's a little bit better uh, at the game of basketball. And I know they do completely different things, but uh it's just it's a lot of different things. So obviously he's made his two um his two main choices, the the Miami Heat and the and the Phoenix Suns. But with Miami, I just can't see it because Tyler Hero as the centerpiece, probably not enough. If you're dealing Bam in it, one, he's already on that rookie max, so you can't even deal Bam. But Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, picks. If that's the best package, maybe, but like, for what for what Gobert got, I'm not super super excited about a, a package like that. Phoenix makes the most sense uh, to me because one, you can get guys right away that help you know help you win. You're gonna get McCall Bridges, I'd assume, uh, and then it sounds like Da would be a great fit or, or uh, an ideal like all right, put him in there too. But I'm confused with that whole situation because. DeAndre Ayton hasn't even signed an offer sheet anywhere, and who knows? I don't think he'll get the max, but then if he gets the max, he's taken out of the equation. I think the Suns make the most sense, right? Because they can give up McCall, they can give up Ayton, they can give up picks. I think that that seems like a slam dunk. I'm hearing the Raptors, but I can, I can almost, I can't for sure guarantee you. I can almost promise you though that. Masai Ujiri is not giving up Scotty Barnes in any deal. So I don't quite know. It's OG and picks, I'd assume, and then cap filler. Um, so it's just going to come down to what the uh, what the Nets prefer. Um, but again, on top of all this, we've seen KD is who he is. He's not going to come in and he'll come in and fit in, but he's not going to come in and, and – and just be this leader that I think Brooklyn Nets wanted him to be. Um, in terms of basketball, I think I fully embrace it, bro. As a Warriors fan, I, I've been able, I feel like I'm enjoying this offseason a lot more uh, just because I know that, you know, all these moves that are being made, all these trades that are being made are made, being made with the intention of trying to get to the exact place that the Warriors just were. All these moves are trying to 
are try are, are made with the intention of getting an NBA championship. Uh, the thing that the Warriors have four of in the last eight years. So maybe it's just me still feeling myself from this run, but bring it on, bro. Bring KD to Phoenix. I really think we've sent KD home before. I'm ready to do it again. We've sent CP home. I'm a little bummed we didn't get to do it this year. Uh, but if if KD's headed to Phoenix and you're you're cooking up against Book, CP, and KD, that's probably going to be the favorite in the West, and I fully embrace it. We're kind of playing with house money at this point. We have four rings. If I, hey, I know, for people saying we, you're not a part of the I dude, I don't care. I'm a part of the Warriors. I, I literally don't care. I am a part of the Warriors. We. We are playing with house money at this point, and I, I need a little bit of that. I need the Steph and the Dubs post post KD leaving. I, I bring them back to the West. I embrace that. I would love that, and I still think uh, to this point it just makes the most sense. You got two great young players, super talented players, and McCall Bridges and DeAndre Ayton. You already have a culture in place in Phoenix. You know, you're not asking him to do too much. CP can be that quote leader. You have a very uh a very strong leader in Monty Williams. I think it makes all the sense in the world. So I, I, I'm not quite sure why it's not done yet. I'm sure maybe the DA aspect is maybe making it a little bit trickier. Uh, but I think you know, KD to, to Phoenix just makes the most sense on both fronts. Obviously for Phoenix, it's Kevin Durant. It's Kevin Durant. As good as McCall Bridges is, as well as he's developed, as talented as DeAndre Ayton is, Kevin Durant makes you probably at this point the title favorite. And from Brooklyn, again, you don't have your picks. Ben Simmons, McCall Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Seth Curry, Patty Mills. It's a fun young team. It's not going to go win a title, but it'll be competitive. It'll be a competitive team. I don't see Miami. I'm seeing some Bulls. I don't know necessarily what they give up there. I mean, I don't don't see. I really don't see Brooklyn wanting DeMar as a centerpiece or Lonzo as a centerpiece or Vooch as a centerpiece. Uh, The Raptors OG is cool, but you're going to need another piece alongside of them. And I think... If you asked a bunch of GMs, OG or McCall, I think it'd be a split. I don't think it'd be – I don't think either of those guys would run away. I think OG might – some might say he's slightly better right now. I don't even know if that's true. And on top of that, McCall's been way more available. So I would honestly guess most GMs would take McCall. Um, but that's that's where I'm at there. And, and honestly, for as good as KD is – I think Phoenix is right there as as the favorite if they go get him. So crazy storyline. I was not expecting it, right? I was not expecting it. And then on top of that, you have the Kyrie wrinkle. Um, and it's just it puts Brooklyn in a super tough situation because no one is going to trade for Kyrie. No one is giving up assets for one year of Kyrie Irving. The only team that might do it is, is L.A. And, and they're going to do it because they get off Russ. And sure, we'll give you 2027 pick and THT like sure but that sounds like I mean that 
I guess it's better than losing Ra- or Kyrie for free, but I mean, it's essentially in my eyes losing him for free. I mean, you get that pick, but um, my guess, guys, KD heads out to Phoenix. It sounds like Kyrie's going to work his way to LA some way, um, but not necessarily because Kyrie's the one doing it, uh, but because LA is the only team that's really willing to to give up something for him this point because Kyrie has one year left on his deal as he just opted in. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll go get to the two trades that actually did happen. Um, two massive, two trades that stand alone like would just be massive trades or just kind of in the shadow of, of Kevin Durant, but we'll get to that. I think one last thing about the KD thing is it's just for everything that we've said so far, I think it's just really hard for a um, a young team that's built itself organically like the Pelicans, even like the Nuggets who have built these title team or not, maybe not title yet, but who built these really young promising teams to give all that away for a guy like KD, you know, and I know he has four years left, but he's 33. Everything we've said still stands. And I feel like it really is a select group of teams like Miami, like uh, like Phoenix, who are on the cusp, who are right there. They're not title, they're they're not title like favorites, but they're right there. Whereas teams like the Pelicans, even the Nuggets, you know, they they're just not there yet. And so to give up all your young guys to go get Katie, on top of the fact that, again, rookie max deals, they can't even be a part of it. It's just a, a really peculiar and interesting situation um, that I can't wait to see continue unfold. All right, let's get to Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert gets traded for Jared Vanderbilt, Kessler Edwards, five unprotected, four unprotected first. Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly. We'll go down the line with each one of them. Jared Vanderbilt, I love. Um, he's a guy where if you're a casual NBA fan, um, you're probably not going to know really who he is, but you can kind of liken him to uh, a modern-day Dennis Rodman, and I know that probably sounds crazy, but um, in this league, bro, when you're not a star player, when you're not a guy who's asked uh, asked upon to score, you got to buy into your role. Jared Vanderbilt does that to a T. He's an amazing offensive rebounder. He's an amazing rebounder in general. He's a great on-ball defender. He's great in passing lanes. He's just a guy that is essential. Like He's a Gary Payton-esque type guy. He's a loony type guy who just understands his role and gets his, gets his job done every single night. You can count on Jared Vanderbilt. And no, he's not going to go score you 20 points a game or even 15. But he's going to do his job every night. Kessler Edwards is a big out of Auburn who blocked, I believe, uh, three shots a game. Um, obviously, the NBA is a steep learning curve, especially for bigs. And I don't expect him to be amazing right off the bat. Um, but he has that Rudy Gobert-esque you know, skill set of blocking shots in the rim. And you guys know I love... Love, 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 love for my fives to be able to affect shots at the rim. If you're a five and you're not affecting shots at the rim, you better be damn good at other things because that is where you are on defense. If you're a five, you're generally in the paint. 
And if guys can finish over you, and not just finish over you, but aren't scared, if you aren't making them think about going up down there, you better be damn good at other things. Then you get four unprotected first. Then you get Patrick Beverly. Everyone knows who Patrick Beverly is. You can say what you want about him. He does help you win basketball games. And Malik Beasley has not really regained his footing since he got into the whole, you know, he had the domestic thing and then he was too high and got paranoid and like pointed a gun at someone who was on his property, went to jail for a little bit. Um, But he's very talented still. And he can absolutely shoot the hell out of the ball. I remember he actually probably had his best game of the season in Utah. I honestly think that probably played a factor. Uh, But it's quite a gnarly package. And this is probably – the the Nets were probably stoked to see this because if the precedent has now been set that a guy like Rudy Gobert is is going for this, what is Kevin Durant going to fetch? And I've seen a lot of pushback. I feel like the majority of people still – understand how good Rudy Gobert is. Um, but there's still people that are out there that say, oh, he got played off the floor in the playoffs and he can't score. And it's like, guys, I would much rather my five be a Rudy Gobert than honestly a cat. And I think that I think that's part of the reason why the Timberwolves went and got Rudy Gobert, despite Cat playing the five really his whole career. Uh because Rudy Gobert is the best rim protector in the game. And I still don't really subscribe to the notion that he got played off the floor. If you watch those games back against the Clippers, first off, Ty Lue is a wonderful coach and was putting the Jazz in situations that uh, were really tough. But uh, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Joe Ingles, Bojan Bogdanovic were Swiss cheese on defense. And so the Clippers, what they did was they spread out the whole entire floor. They had five guys out on the perimeter. And they were consistently beating Donovan Mitchell. They were consistently beating Mike Conley. They were consistently beating uh, Joe Ingles to the basket. And so what you were, what was then happened is Rudy Gobert, okay, he sees it. I got to come help. I can't give let them get this layup. And as he does that, they go kick it out to whoever Rudy left, which a lot of times was Terrence Mann. And you got to give props to the Clippers. They hit those shots. But it's not Rudy's fault that they were getting smoked out in front. And I think it's now been documented and people know this now. But to say that that was Rudy's fault, that you got to take him off the floor, no. Like, sure, maybe some other guys would have been able to recover back out to shooters faster or harder because – if Rudy's recovering back out to a shooter, you can probably get by him if you're a competent guard or wing. And maybe another guy is able to get out faster. But what Rudy's job is, his number one job, is to rebound the basketball and make it hard for guys to finish. And if it's a not Rudy there, the Clippers would have just punished the Jazz in a different way. They would have just punished the Jazz at the rim instead of from three. So... Rudy Gobert is absolutely still an, a force in this league. Um, and I, I like the fact that he's not a guy you need to post up. I, I don't think there's very few guys. There's maybe two that I feel like you can go to post. Maybe three if you consider Cat. Um, that you can go to um, and post up consistently and feel good uh, about whatever you get out of it. Whether it be a shot from them down low or a you know creation for others. I don't need my center to do that if you're not 
Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic or Carl Anthony Towns. And I think uh, it's interesting, too, to, to see the fact that, hey, the Timberwolves look and they say, hey, Carl Anthony Towns isn't affect, you know, our, our, their, their defense just wasn't good enough. And, and it's not like they weren't trying. It's not like Chris Finch didn't know how to defend. I just think personnel-wise, Cat is he's not putting fear into guys going at the rim. He'll get some blocks here and there by, you know, as a product of his size and athleticism. Um, but I think it'll be really, it's, it's cool in my eyes that we get an experiment like this, where we have a guy who's predominantly played the five, um, but has a lot of tools to still be successful at the four. Um, and I think, I, I definitely think this is going to make the Timberwolves better. I don't know that it puts them in a title contention, um, because I'm still, I still question Carl Anthony Towns. I don't question the talent. I, t- I question the grit and, and I know he's went through some really, really tough things off the floor. That's not the real life grit. He's got all, he's got more real life grit than me. Um, but I mean the little things that really, really matter and are important when you're, you're trying to win basketball games on the court. Um, I think Rudy Gobert is going to really take a huge, huge load off of Carl Anthony Towns on the defensive end. Um, and it's a massive package and it's a risky pass package give, given the, uh, given the guys that the, they gave up on top of the assets. Um, but I think in this business, bro, you got to swing, you got to swing. And if that was the price, I don't hate it, man. I don't hate it. And I think a lot of people. It's funny because that windy, uh, that windy clip blew up, and it was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. And I was actually gonna record. I remember before, and that was one of my talking points. And, and then I decided, hey, we've got a ton of shit going on. We'll just let it all kind of build up, and we'll go Sunday. But that was one of my talking points too. Was like, why are they dealing with Royce O'Neal if they're kind of gonna run it back? And so then I think a lot after the Go Bear trade, people think they're. Hey, maybe they'll blow it up. I think part of the reason why they even dealt Rudy is because that package is just really hard to say no to. You're getting all those first on top of guys that can help you. I think you can almost kind of retool a bit. Uh, Obviously, I don't think they're better without Rudy. um, But I think you can kind of retool with all those, and you don't need to fully blow it up. Like five, four firsts, including Kessler, who was a first-round pick, is already like – like there's rebuilding teams that you know do that and say hey all right that's enough that we've we that's plenty of assets so um makes sense from both sides i think i do think it's a it's a really steep price but at the same time you're getting the best rim protector in the game and uh i think rim protection is probably for me the premier skill skill uh four bigs in the league right now because guys are so good at getting downhill and putting pressure on your defense at the rim and uh Rudy Gobert just makes up for so many things like you can get beat and as long as you have Rudy back there it's okay it's generally okay and it's not like he's not also an elite rebounder and it's not like he can't roll to the rim and finish lobs at a very very high clip um and it's not like he catches it down there, and if he doesn't have a wide open shot, he's gonna kick it back out, right? Like he, he's capable, he's capable. Um, 
So I thought that was a dope trade. I think it definitely puts the Timberwolves in uh, a go-for-it mode. And I think when you have a, a talent like Carl Anthony Towns, you got to do your best to put the pieces around him and, and make it work. And they're not losing anyone that truly... Vando and Bev hurt. Malik hurts to an extent. Who knows? Maybe Kessler could be good. Uh, but they're definitely a better basketball team. You have Anthony Edwards. You have Carl Anthony Towns. You have D'Angelo Russell. Uh, let's go get let's go get Rudy and, and see what we can do. Uh, I, I dig it. I dig it. All right, let's talk some DeJounte Murray in Atlanta. And I feel like this trade kind of got swept under the rug um, with Rudy and, and KD. It was also the first one to happen. Happened like right before free agency even started. So now that all the free agency madness has gone on, the KD stuff, I feel like no one's even talking about this. But um, this is a significant trade because you look at Atlanta – um, this is a team that I've always really liked. Um, if you guys follow me at all on, on Twitter or um, just know, you know, where I where my bets are, like this is a, an Atlanta team that I really liked. And I think people forget after a year like this, they were they were in the Eastern Conference Finals um, last year or two years ago now at this point against the eventual champions um, in the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, or... Eastern Conference semis, my bad. They were in the Eastern Conference semis. Still pretty good. Still pretty good. Um, and they they pushed that that Milwaukee team, and, and Trey Young was hurt. Um, but I think it just goes back to, well, first off, first off, let me even just say the trade. It was DeJounte Murray for four unprotected first, and or not all unprotected. Some of them were unprotected. Actually, a decent amount were protected. And Danilo Gallinari. Danilo's getting dropped by the Spurs anyways um, for DeJounte Murray. And I think this is another trade that just makes sense for both sides. I think you're going to start to see it more and more. Uh, but for those of you that don't know, there's a generational prospect. Um, and I feel like that word gets tossed around a lot. But like truly generational. Like I'm talking like AD, Bron and even AD I think wasn't as hyped as this guy, uh, Victor Wembayana, Wembayana, and I think you're going to see a lot of teams this year. There's going to be some shenanigans for sure for this guy this year in terms of tanking, um, and it's great because we've got a really really competitive league. But I think as the season goes on and certain teams realize, hey, we're not really where we need to be, you're going to see a lot of guys resting and random injury maintenance uh to lose games you're already gonna see that but i think it just intensifies and you've already seen it this year where a team is literally trading their best player for picks and i think you're gonna see the san antonio spurs be uh sort of an iteration of what the thunder have done in the past couple of years where they probably could win 32 games if they really grind it but is that the best move for a franchise long-term? Probably not. And so Shea misses time. And Giddy, Shea and Giddy, Giddy last year, Shea the last couple of years, have very rarely even played post-All-Star break. And I think you're going to see that something similar with the Spurs. Um, but for the Spurs, I love DeJounte Murray. Um, he's a very talented player, and he's gotten better every single year. Um, last year was a year of huge, huge growth. He uh, is a guy that I think really raises the floor of a lot of teams. I think if you have DeJounte Murray as your guy, 
uh, he can make sure that you aren't a bottom feeder. Um, but what he probably isn't is a guy where if he's your number one guy, you're not winning a, a, an NBA championship uh, unless you have an insane, insanely deep and talented team around him. Um, and the Spurs knew that, right? And, and I think that's honestly where the Spurs have been in the past couple of years, uh, where we've seen from certain other teams is the worst place to be um, for basketball teams, for franchises. It's basketball purgatory where you're not bad, but you're not good. Um, and they were in the play-in the ba- the past couple of years, like the, the last team in the play-in the past couple of years. Uh, this year they lost to the to the Pelicans. I think the year before they lost to the Grizzlies. And you're just not really accomplishing anything um, with those sorts of builds. Um, but at the same time, right, I, I think we also forget that uh, a lot of times it's a business and these are real people. And it's hard to uh, deal a guy that you drafted, that you developed, who has become now an all-star, that your fans love, that they pay their hard-earned money to come to games to watch play. But you know the big picture, hey – if he's our guy, we're going to be at best in eighth, seventh, eighth seed for the next five, six, seven years. So it took some balls uh, from the Spurs, but they did it. They pulled the trigger, and uh, you get for four firsts from him. A couple of those are unprotected. Um, and, again, I think a lot of teams, again, knowing who DeJounte Murray is, you're not going to get the Rudy Gobert package per se. Um but similarly to the Gobert cat thing where you're getting cat playing now a position that he hasn't quite played his whole career, but you know how he has the tools to succeed in, uh, you get the same thing with Dejounte Murray where really he was a he, he kind of operated in a Russell Westbrook-esque role last year where it was just him and a bunch of young guys. And he had the ball and anytime he was in, it was his it, he was making the key decisions. Um, but I think what probably gave the Hawks a little bit of, um, I don't know, made them feel comfortable enough to, to say, Hey, this can work is, uh, before that he was kind of that one B with DeMar DeRozan and he was successful enough in that role, right? Obviously they were 10 seed or whatever they were, but he's has at least experience in that. And I think, uh, when you have a superstar like Trey young, and I know people have different definitions for superstar, but if you don't think he's a superstar, he definitely, at the very least, has potential to be that. Um, I get why you you feel like you have to go all in. And again, DeJounte Murray doesn't have to be what he was in San Antonio, in Atlanta. Um, and a lot of Trey Young's weaknesses, DeJounte Murray uh, helps prop him up. And I, I, was ta- I had a conversation with my friend Chuck on Twitter, and I think he encapsulated it perfectly. What, what Trey Young struggles with is, uh, one, defense, right? He's tiny, um, and that's just part of the nature. DeJounte Murray can be that big point-of-attack defender and can take on those tough assignments for Trey to help, one, give Trey more rest, uh, but two, he's not targeted quite as much. And I think the, the, the big problem that they ran in, into this year, too, is, and I think the main issue with Trey Young is He's so ball dominant. And I think part of that is the construction of the teams. Yes, they have some good-ish secondary creators. DeAndre Hunter's shown flashes. Bogey's shown some flashes. Uh, Herter has some flashes here and there. But at the end of the day, in big games, you're not taking the ball out of Trey Young's hands. And that becomes somewhat 
predictable, right? And you can really, I mean, you saw it with the Mavs this year. Yes, they were in the Western Conference Finals, but you can game plan around that defensively. You at least know exactly what you're going up against. And DeJounte can be that 1B guy that takes pressure off of Trey Young, who can initiate, who can create for others, who you give the ball to and run a high pick and roll for, and you feel confident that he can make, he can break the defense down, get to hit or get to his spot, or make the right read and, and hit whoever it needs to be on top of being a plus defender. So um, it makes sense for both sides. The Spurs are going to be able to now, this is not a retool. This is a full-on tank, a full-on rebuild. You get assets for him. You get off of him. You can spin it in a way that, hey, DeJounte, we don't want to waste your prime here. Um, and then the Hawks, you know, they're not they, they, they're not getting this next guy in the draft, right? They're just too good. Um, you don't have a ton of ass. I mean, you do, but there's not really any other, again, KD would be sick, but there's not really that many other guys on the market that you feel comfortable trading a ton of assets for that you feel can also take that pressure off with off of Trey Young. And on top of that, he's a pretty, pretty damn good compliment, um, just stylistically on the basketball court, how they fit. Um, so it makes a lot of sense for both sides. I, again, this doesn't make the Hawks a necessary like a title favorite right now. But when you're a GM and you have a guy like Trey Young and you ha- do have other pieces around him, you got to take swings. Just like Minnesota took a swing, Atlanta's doing the same thing where – how do we get from good playoff team to potential contender? Is DeJounte a guy who could potentially rise us to that next level? Potentially. I mean, he's an all-star. He's a guy who averaged 21, 9, and 8. He's a guy who can defend. He's a guy who can pass. He's a guy who can score. Really, really the only thing he lacks is a consistent three-point jump shot. And I still, I, I feel like I still see signs here and there that he could eventually be that. I'm very, very interested to see how the Hawks end up this year. I'm very, very interested to see what that offense looks like uh, in terms of the usage. Is Trey Young's? I doubt Trey Young is going to still be that pound the ball every possession type of guy. Uh, I still think he is the guy there, but I don't think it'll be quite to the extent it's been in the past. And for the Spurs, they were never going to go anywhere of real significance with DeJounte as that guy. Um, so it makes a lot of sense for both sides. And those are the type of trades I love. Um, and, and these are the type of trades with the Gobert trade uh, that are so interesting, you know, because I love the team building aspect. I love the GM aspect. I'm the guy that uh, grew up, as, you know, I was 10 years old on NBA franchise mode. I have a 30 team fantasy league that, you know, tries to simulate being an NBA GM. So I love things like this. Um, and I do think, you know, if if you have a guy that you think, fits the culture and the mold of your team and you're a playoff you know you're a playoff team that's anywhere from seven to five and you have a chance to go get an all-star as long as you're not giving up anyone that really really helps you win right now i think you got to go for it and that's what they did i respect it and i'm excited to see uh just how that translates for both the jazz and for for the uh hawks and it's not like either either of those situations it's like clear cut they do exactly what they did before right like rudy has cat there it's going to mean different things for cat Dejounte has trey there it's going to mean different things for Dejounte. so i'm really excited to see how that goes 
with Kevin Durant, I think he's headed to Phoenix. I hope he's headed to Phoenix. I don't care. Bring him to Phoenix. I want to go head-to-head against that Phoenix Suns team. That team would be nasty, um, but I like our chances. I like our chances. There's actually reports coming out today from Marcus Spears uh, that the Warriors are interested. We'll go down the line. Uh, Steph Curry could be convinced. Draymond, uh, I think, would be down. Clay, I don't think he'd care. Bob Myers, probably down. Uh, actually, I don't know. That'd be really, really interesting because Bob Myers has spent this time. I know it's not just him, but you know he drafted Jordan Poole. He drafted Moses Moody. He drafted Jonathan Kamiga. He drafted James Wiseman. And you've got – this goes back to the point earlier of where I said like teams like Pelicans and you know Nuggets or whoever who have built really great teams from the ground and now are kind of in the okay – let them develop stage like we've gone through the hard work of sucking and drafting now let's now we have our guys like let's develop the warriors have actually been to the title but but they also have basically the next generation just waiting loading up with pool wiseman moody kaminga um do you give all that up to increase your chances now I can't see the Warriors doing that. I just can't. I know there's reports that they're interested, but if the Nets are going to go ahead and ask for Wiseman, Moody, Poole, Kaminga, and some first, and Wiggins, or, or some even combination of four of those, I can't see the, the Warriors saying, yeah, let's let's bring back the guy that dipped out. Let's Let's bring back the guy that doesn't quite love the family team aspect let's bring back the guy who already we've had not necessarily issues with but it i i I know for damn sure steve kerr is gonna pass on that i don't think steve kerr wants that and i think steve kerr is really really highly respected in that office as he as he should be so i i don't think that's gonna happen i kind of have mixed feelings about it again i love kevin durant respect everything he did for us he's an absolute bucket he's an absolute monster at the game of basketball uh but i think we've seen now there's a lot of other things that go into an organization go into team building um and just knowing the warriors i i don't think that at this point this is something they'd be interesting maybe if we had like lost in the western conference finals or even the title but like we just want to ship with this group and now you have you know, not only do you know you're probably going to be straight as long as Steph's here, but you also know you have a pretty damn good foundation uh, for the post-Steph years, for the post-Clay years. I don't know that they're going to just punt on that for Kevin Durant, for four more years of Kevin Durant. I don't, especially because we're already going to be in the mix. So that's where I'm at. We've Best league in the world, so much entertainment. It's literally – it's uh, – it's just gossip for it's just tea for for men like I, I love it um and i don't think this is the end of it we've got summer league coming up we still got some free agents out there I, we will hit a dry point uh but we'll find fun things to talk about again i'll get sarji on here to, to go through free agency we didn't have enough time for that today but if you are still listening at this point i love you i appreciate you for tuning in uh i know you love hoop the way i do if you're still here thank you and uh, we'll be back in a couple of days. Enjoy your uh, enjoy your July Fourth. Enjoy your week. Stay blessed, and we'll talk soon. Peace.